Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. It's been eight months since you've been CEO. How are you feeling? Are you settled? I feel great. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a, a very fun year uh, of a lot of learnings and uh, getting to know the teams, getting to know our partners, and it's been awesome. Is it every day is day one, like at Amazon, or moving <laughs> fast and breaking things, like Facebook? We, we don't want to break anything. <laughs> uh, but um, we're, we're very much at the beginning of a long journey. We think that the, the vision for the company is incredibly exciting, and we're just getting started with this big digital transformation we're seeing in the industry. Do you have your own motto, like your own sort of mantra? There's two I really, really like in particular. One is grow the pie. Uh-huh. Uh, we like the food puns. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the idea is that we make everyone better, like the entire industry better. And the other one that I really like is put it all on the table because mm. I think it's really important to have like transparency and like tell it like it is. So it's a good value to, to follow. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily Chang, and welcome to this edition of the Bloomberg Studio 1.0 podcast. Today's guest was one of Mark Zuckerberg's top lieutenants who decided to end her 10-year career at Facebook to take the top job at a rising power player in a totally different industry, Instacart. Her goal? To become the tech platform for the grocery business and take on Amazon. But with Uber, DoorDash, and more competing for gig shoppers and customers, will Fiji Simo's strategy give Instacart the edge on the retail front lines? Joining me now on this edition of Bloomberg Studio 1.0, Instacart CEO Fiji Simo. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. It's so great to be with you here in person. (laughs) So great to be here. Thanks for having me. What is your read right now on how the pandemic has changed the grocery industry? Well, I think it has massively accelerated the move uh, towards online grocery, and this transformation is very much here to stay. But the thing that's really interesting is that now that we look forward to the next kind of decade of growth, we still see massive opportunity where right now the industry is still under 10% penetrated online. We think it's going to go towards 30%, maybe in the next five to 10 years. You know, when I arrived as CEO, there was this interesting narrative that if people go back to stores, Instacart loses. And that can be the case because our goal is to really be aligned with our retail partners. And our retail partners just want to address customer needs wherever customers are, whether it's online, whether it's in store. My son was very impressed when I told him I was interviewing the CEO of Instacart. He also said, you should tell them to stock up because they're replacing a lot of things. 
talk to us about the food shortages and how bad it is right now. Yeah, we've certainly seen uh, a, a lot of um, issues with su supply chain, obviously, uh, and we're working hand in hand with our grocers to uh, really address that. We have the best replacement technology in the industry so that when something's missing, we can really replace it uh, with something appropriate. There's concern that the war in Ukraine will drive up food prices even more. This is on top of rising inflation. Ukraine is a big producer of wheat, a big producer of seed oils. What are you expecting? So we have seen inflation definitely hit, uh, you know, on, on Instacart. The model on Instacart is that grocers set the price, and so we reflect that price back to the customer. And uh, we have certainly seen an increase in food prices. We are tracking that closely. We think that customers are, for now, kind of adapting by adjusting their baskets and really focusing on essential items. You grew up in France. What's it like watching this happen to another European country? It's, you know, absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, I think, you know, uh, w it feels a little surreal that to realize that this can be happening, you know, in this day and age. Um, but, you know, uh, we are trying to support our employees that have, that have families over there, friends over there, uh, and, and do our part to, uh, uh, to help people through this crisis. I know you're kind of a newcomer to the grocery business, but not to food culture. You were raised in a small town in France, in a fishing village, and I believe three generations of, of, of fishermen in, in your family. Well, uh, you know, I wasn't destined to end up in Silicon Valley, clearly. Uh, I grew up in a very big, rambunctious Sicilian family uh, where food was always at the center of everything we did. And so, you know, it's kind of going back to my roots to, to go back into, uh, into a food business. I'm curious of growing up that way and, you know, sort of walking around you know, with your with your grandfather through the fishing village, did it instill this sort of builder mentality? Absolutely. I mean, m my grandfather always told me, you know, I can forgive anything. The one thing I wouldn't forgive is if you're lazy. <laughs> and so uh, the work ethic was like deeply, deeply ingrained in my family. And they always made me feel like everything was possible if you worked hard at it and if you poured your heart and soul into it. You were the first one in your family to graduate from high school. I just want to <laughs> linger on that for a moment. That's incredible. You know, the, the fishing industry was interesting in that they take enormous pride in what they do. And so that reminds me a lot of what I've seen with grocers uh, in the industry right now, greeting every customer at the door. Like that reminded me of the pride that I saw in my family for a job well done and, you know, making sure that the food was perfect and fresh. Uh, and, and so th these are things that, uh, you know, I take to heart and I want, I want my job to be excellent. So how did you get to Silicon Valley? So I got to Silicon Valley about 15 years ago. I started my career at eBay and then uh, moved to Facebook and spent 10 years at Facebook. There were a lot of people who took bets on me, even though I didn't look on paper that I was the perfect person for the job, but I had enormous grit and I worked very hard. And, uh, and I think that that really helped, uh, you know, uh, carve a path and, um, and here we are. <laughs> you rose up through the ranks, working in almost every corner of the business, you became one of Mark Zuckerberg's top lieutenants in product. What did you learn there about what to do and what not to do as a leader? Yeah. You know, 
watching Mark operate for 10 years was uh, kind of one of the best CEO schools you can, you can ever imagine because the thing he does uh, incredibly well is that he thinks ahead, he thinks long term, and he, he tries to balance out the execution in the short term with a very long term view. I also learned that you, know, you need to be proactive when there's risks in your business, and we've seen that with Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg may be one of the most scrutinized, most criticized founders ever. Facebook, now Meta, is one of the most criticized companies ever. Is that warranted? I think the scrutiny is warranted because they have such, uh, you know, tremendous impact on the world. However, when people talk about Facebook, they expect very easy answers to very complex problems, whether it's content moderation, whether it's policy, antitrust. These problems do not have easy answers. They require a lot of nuance, a lot of understanding. I imagine Mark tried really hard to get you to stay. Well, I really wasn't expecting to leave Facebook last year. And I joined the board of Instacart really to learn more about a different industry and, and take my skills and apply them somewhere else. And I kind of fell in love with the company. I fell in love with the opportunity. And, um, and you know, for Mark, uh, obviously, you know, we had a, a long conversation about this over the course of many weeks. Uh, but ultimately, he understood that I, I wanted to spread my wings. How did Aporva Meta the founder of Instacart approach you? And when did CEO become the ask? I think Opova, to his credit, uh, and that's really hard for a founder to do, started to realize that, you know, uh, given my, my skill set, I might be better positioned to go execute on that vision um, uh, than he would. And, and so, you know, during this conversation, it became clear that, you know, my vision was actually quite different from his, uh, but he was excited to see what could happen with mine. You're listening to Bloomberg Studio 1.0 with Instacart's Fiji Simo. Up next, taking on Amazon. How will Instacart compete with the e-commerce juggernaut that's just decided to double down on grocery? Stay with us. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Some of the big moves you made right away, you started building out your executive team, you brought in women executives, you added strong women to the board, you brought in Carolyn Everson, your former colleague at Facebook. Um, that didn't work out. Why didn't it work out? That didn't quite work out indeed. <laughs> when some things are not working out and it's pretty obvious they're not, the best thing you can do is kind of, you know, move move quickly. And so the fact that Carolyn and I had a 10-year relationship uh, made it easier to have the kind of hard conversation like, hey, this isn't what, what we wanted on either side. Uh, and I think it's actually created a 
very big opportunity where now the team in charge of relationship with retailers reports directly to me, and that has allowed me to go much, much deeper uh, into that, which is so critical for this business. Instacart is now a major player in the grocery industry, 70,000 stores, but you want to go bigger. Lay out the vision for us. So when I, when I arrived at the company, it was so obvious to me that um, Instacart wasn't just an online grocery delivery company. I see the company is really the operating system for grocery where we can work with our retailers who have you know, all of the expertise, craft and care of retail and marry that with our technology and fulfillment assets to really help them embrace uh, this digital transformation. Amazon is shutting down a lot of its physical stores, its four-star stores, but it's doubling down on grocery exactly. with Whole Foods and its Amazon Go stores. You want to take on Amazon. How? Well, we want to help our grocers have all of the technologies they need in order to compete with Amazon. To your point, Amazon is investing very heavily in grocery, and they have a ton of technological abilities. And that was a big part of why, in my first week in the job, I decided to acquire Caper, uh, and, and, which is a smart card technology, because I want all of the grocers we work with to have the same uh, edge that Amazon has. And so I see, I see it as my responsibility to build all of the technology that they need to compete with Amazon so that we can be the antidote uh, for, for them. Then there's Uber and DoorDash and GoPuff and go outside the United States and the list goes on. How does Instacart stand out from all of these different players that are competing for a piece of that pie? These players fundamentally compete with our grocers. They want to uh, attack the market by being first party retailer, owning their own inventory. And so uh, that's not our approach at all. Our approach is really building technology and fulfillment to help our grocers. The second thing is that these players are very focused on one particular uh, piece of the market, which is quick commerce. And while that's really important, and we've certainly seen our own convenience business double in the last six months, we actually address all of the needs that consumers have. We're not just quick commerce, we're also the weekly shop, we're also your monthly bulk stock up, and that's what retailers want. Now, inevitably, after I interview you or Dara Khosrowshahi at Uber or Tony Hsu at DoorDash, I will get feedback on social media from shoppers and drivers who are not happy. Um, one Instacart shopper posted a picture of an order, showed they delivered 51 items, got paid $7.95 and no tip. Is that representative? No, that's very much not representative. And, and I think, you know, fundamentally, shoppers care about their earnings. They really want uh, flexible earnings whenever they want to. And so our job is to make sure that they have more access to work. So what is representative? What is a normal wage for a delivery like that? We're very much in line uh, with kind of industry average uh, for these kinds of jobs. And so that's something that we always try to kind of nudge the consumer of like, hey, your shopper did a really good job. Can, can you tip a little more? Uh, we what if they don't, though, right? I mean, that's you're leaving it up to the customer. We actually. And some customers think, well, you should build this into your price. We make it very transparent to the shopper before they accept an order uh, what the order is going to look like, how much we're going to pay them, and how much like the, the consumer is paying them. And so they can decide whether they take an order or whether they refuse it. And that's the kind of flexibility that our shoppers really value and the kind of transparency that they want. Are you seeing a labor shortage right now? And what are you doing to, to combat yeah. that? 
It's different in different places. Our demographic of shoppers is completely different from food delivery and uh, ride sharing. We're 70% women and half of them are moms. And that's because a lot of the job at Instacart is very different than just being in a car with strangers. It's about like going to the store, doing a good job of customer service, of really picking the right pro products for the consumer. And we are seeing that being very appealing to women. The instant delivery space or, you know, 15 minute delivery space, is that something that you want to double down on? It's something that we absolutely want to offer because, again, we really think that our customers want the full range of options. 15-minute delivery is not going to be relevant for everything. I mean, it's going to be very relevant on Thursday night when I'm craving chocolate ice cream and I, it's really an emergency when that happens. <laughs> exactly. so like, chocolate chip cookie dough for me. You've made some strategic acquisitions, as you've mentioned. What about in the rapid delivery space? Joker, Gorilla? No, we haven't. And the main reason is because uh, all of these players are doing uh, very much first-party uh, groceries, so that means they own inventory, uh, and so it's not it's not something that's interesting to us because our approach is really build the infrastructure so that our grocers can do 30-minute uh, delivery or 15-minute delivery, whereas uh, these players are doing it kind of on their own, bypassing the grocers. Do you think retailers trust you? Do they trust Instacart? So you know, when I when I took on the job, I was surprised by the strength of our retailer relationships. But there was always this kind of lingering question that retailers had for me, which was, you know, what are your long-term intentions? Are you planning on becoming a retailer at some point? And I had to kind of address that head on and explain to them in great detail why it would make no sense for us uh, to really go in that direction and why we were going to be able to build a much bigger company if we just focused on what we're good at. Many of your shoppers are women, as you say. As a woman CEO, are you taking a different strategy and a different approach to shoppers that you think might help restore trust with them. I've spent a lot of time with shoppers uh, ever since I got started because I really wanted to understand their needs and what they were expecting from us as a company. And, you know, I, I do a lot of these, like, one-on-one -on -one conversations. And so what I learned is that uh, these, these shoppers take enormous pride in their work, uh, but they really want flexibility. And what we want to do uh, in our approach is marry the flexibility that they crave with the protections that we think they also very much deserve and these two things don't have to be at odds. Have you ever shopped yourself or followed a shopper around? Yes uh, and and it's really hard let me tell you. A lot of shoppers were asking for live support from our care agents on the phone while they are doing an order because when something goes wrong they're trying to get this order delivered to the customer in the best possible way. Initially we were just doing chat support now we've launched uh, phone support to be able to support them during that time. What progress are you making on international experience? expansion where grocery delivery competition is only escalating. So we want to be a global company at some point. We think that the service we provide is very much universal. At the same time, the North American market is so big and still so underpenetrated that we still want to focus on that uh, for the foreseeable future. This is Bloomberg Studio 1.0 with Instacart CEO Fiji Simo. She rose through the ranks in the tech industry as an outsider. Her advice on how to turn differences into superpowers. That's next, and this is Bloomberg Studio 1.0.
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. There's a lot of speculation about Instacart's IPO and when that will happen. When will that happen? How far out is it? I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to give you timing, Emily, you know that. Uh, do I want the company to become a public company at some point? Of course. But I really want to make sure that the company that we do take public is a company that's reflective of this uh, new uh, bolder vision. You started a women's healthcare startup last year. What about healthcare? Is that something that could somehow be adjacent to Instacart's business? You know, I think we're actually already in the health business. Like, we fundamentally are at the center of people's diets. Just to give you a couple of examples, uh, we rolled out a, uh, the ability for people to buy grocery using EBT SNAP, uh, you know, the nutrition assistance program. And that has been incredibly impactful, and it allows uh, millions of people across the U.S. to get access to food in a way that they wouldn't have been able to get access to otherwise. You've been very public and courageous about sharing your own health issues, health issues which affect mostly only women. Were you always that courageous or did that take time to get comfortable that sharing that? That took a lot of time. <laughs> you know, I think, um, I think I felt like I had a responsibility to do that because um, it's such a taboo. Like health is just such a taboo in the workplace. And so I felt like I really needed to uh, speak up. And especially when I started doing it kind of at the time inside Facebook, I got so much feedback from women saying, oh my God, we never thought that a woman in this position was struggling with health challenges. What's your advice to founders, CEOs, or really anyone who is, is struggling, worried about being discriminated against, worried about being judged? A lot of what makes you different can be your superpower. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time trying to fit in. I even took accent reduction classes at Stanford. Mm -hmm. And as you can tell, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you, you know, after a while, I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop trying desperately to fit in and I'm going to like spend a lot more time thinking about what do I bring to the table that's different. I come from a very different background than most people in Silicon Valley. I have a different perspective. Uh, even my health issues have made me a much better leader because like I developed much more empathy for my teams. My biggest advice is like think about what makes you different and turn it to your advantage. <laughs> Knowing your superpower is perfect for a segue into um, this is like a little rapid fire. What is a secret power that you have that people don't know about? I think I am able to connect the dots between a lot of different ideas uh, in a way that helps me uh, set a vision that's, that's more compelling than just the sum of the parts. Who are your most powerful mentors? Hmm. You know, I don't like the word mentors. I like the word sponsor. I think mentors are people who like sit down with you and give you advice over a nice cup of coffee, and that's nice. But sponsors are the people who put their reputation on the table to open doors for you. Um, and so I would say Mark Zuckerberg has been obviously one of these people. Do you still talk to him? Absolutely. I mean, when do you call him? What kind of counsel do you seek from him? 
Well, I think it's, uh, you know, in the tough times when I'm realizing uh, that the CEO job is obviously very hard and lonely and realizing how much I learned from him about that, uh, you know, pinging him and telling him like, hey, am I doing this right? Is this normal? Speaking of advice, best advice for someone in their 20s? Always give everything your best. Advice for women in particular about how to survive and thrive in the tech industry? Surround yourself with people who see the magic in you. People who know what makes you unique and reflect that back to you and sometimes believe in you in times where you don't believe in yourself. Did you ever find it hard yourself? You know, it's interesting because in hindsight, when you look at all of the hoops I had to jump through, of course it was hard. But in the, in the moment, I kind of never thought about it as like it being hard. I always say, you know, you need to be very inflexible on the destination, but very flexible on the journey. And so in my mind, I was kind of clearing kind of one branch after the other to get to the end state and trying to be flexible on how to get there. Uh, and I think that actually helps me because if you focus so much on the obstacles, that's all you can see. And and so was there, you know, was there bias, was there discrimination around me? Of course, like we all know it exists. And ideally, you know, we're going to make it easier over time to have like fewer obstacles along the way and uh, lift women up uh, as, as we all raise. Last TV show you binged. Succession. Oh. It's so good. I know you have a daughter and a husband who cooks very good French pastries. <laughs> what is your take on work-life integration or whatever you want to call it? I love the word integration. To me, it's like, how do I take all of the different parts of my life and make them better than if they were separate? I hosted uh, my management team for a big offsite last week, and my daughter is always in the middle. Metaverse or real world? Real world, still. <laughs> so do you believe in the metaverse vision that Mark has laid out? I personally don't love spending a ton of time in VR. I am incredibly motion sick, which would have been a very big problem if I had stayed at Facebook <laughs> to build the metaverse. But I think, I think it's, a, it's a very big, bold vision, uh, and I think he's right to go in that direction. Do you feel like you have to think about what Instacart's metaverse play would be yet? You know, for now, we have a lot of real-life potatoes and tomatoes to deliver, <laughs> so, and I think people would be a little disappointed if they bite into it and there's nothing coming out. You spent the bulk of your career at a company that hyperscaled so fast, sometimes maybe even too fast. What are your top guiding principles for scaling Instacart's business? So number one thing is people. Uh, like, you know, if you, if you hire great people and uh, you, you, know, you empower them, good things happen. The second one is vision. I think if everybody is aligned behind a long-term vision, optimizes for the long run, uh, and really believe in this idea that as we grow, everyone else is going to grow and we will make the entire uh, industry and ecosystem better, um, I think we will scale in the right way. Fiji Sima, CEO of Instacart, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Bloomberg Studio 1.0 is produced and edited by Lauren Ellis and Matt Soto, with special help from Tiffany Perez. I'm Emily Chang, your host and executive producer.
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.